welcome to the Sadakoi Depot podcast. I'm Sierra Dorr, the co-founder and managing director of Sadakoi Depot, a decolonized urban farm in Sadakoi, California. I'm recording on ancestral Chumash land, along with Daniel Chavez, who is my partner in life and in business. And in our fifth episode, Daniel and I talk about our protocols for heartfelt conversations. What do you do when faced with defensive communicators? Call in or call out. Hey. Hey. So today was a really hard day for me. I felt so much over the course of the day. It felt like a roller coaster and like my day just ended at 10 p.m. How are you yeah. doing? I'm doing okay. Sounds like um, you had a rough day. I'm sorry about that. But mm. yeah, mine was just work and it was really nice. Yeah, I'm glad you're liking your job. Yeah. My uh, current office looks over the lagoon, as they call it. So it's really pretty. Can't complain, yeah. yeah. And there's like not a lot of people on campus. I know you said it was eerie last time we talked, but it seems like a benefit. Yeah, now that I'm like there for longer periods, it's nice to like have the quiet to focus on work while I'm still yeah like interacting with some people. Yeah. Well, I have these snacks in front of me that we just got in LA this weekend, so I thought I'd try them out. Alright. <laughs> really loud packaging. They're little crabs. They're whole crabs. Do you want to try one with me? I don't know if I'm prepared to do that adventure um, so oh, late no. at night. So loud. Okay. But I like how it comes in a little boat. Oh, yeah. It's a little bamboo bow. Yeah. Like it's thin cut bamboo. They're full on crabs. Like. Yeah. They are sweet. Mm. I knew they were going to be that. Yeah. Kind of like candies a bit. I don't like, yeah, I don't like it when they add sweets. I should have just read the ingredients. Ingredients, crab, sugar. I should have, should have read. Okay. They look cool, though. They are cool. And you just ate a miniature crab whole, so. Mm-hmm. It's about the adventure, if anything. It is really crabby flavor, so if they just didn't add the sugar, I would have loved them. Mm. Um, well, man. So today is the 17th. This morning, like, we found out that there was... A series of shootings. Did you hear about this? Uh, yeah. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were done by a white man, and he went into massage parlors and shot up the place and ended up killing eight people. Six of them were Asian, and I like I heard about it like through scrolling, but. I, I didn't, like, process how big of a deal it was because there's been so much um, 
hate crimes on the Asian American community. I just like lumped it in and and like specifically I found out that there's been a 1900% increase in hate crimes against Asian Americans since 2020. It's crazy. But I, I then attended a, a webinar and it was, um, all Asian American women panelists and it, it was called the Asian American women's voice, our culture in the future. And that's when I just felt like so connected to the Asian community and I just started feeling that wave of grief hit me. Mm. And when I was kind of thinking about what to talk about, I looked back at the title and it says, you know, Asian American women's voice. It's one voice. And I like that hit me too. Like we are one. And I just, I think that really sums up like how I felt. Like I felt there were over a hundred people on this call And it was like, I felt everybody's emotions in my body and I just started crying and like grieving. Mm -hmm. And that was just, I mean, that was the beginning of the session and it was, you know, really, you know, it's a very sad thing that happened, but it was a beautiful realization and I was inspired like we've been, we're late putting this podcast together, right? And um, I think it was perfect timing. I think I was supposed to wait to experience this community. Um, and just get that inspiration to speak. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what I got out of it was the need to speak up, the need to have conversations. And because we wanted to continue our podcast from last week and talk about conversations, difficult conversations and how to have that, those, I think it was just really great timing. So yeah, that's a uh, really beautiful that you were able to connect to that pain, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's always hard for people to kind of, come to terms with that sort of empathy and I feel like that's like real empathy when you're like not just like thinking about it and internalizing it like you are feeling that and um, that's kind of what we want people to like that that builds the best type of connections when you have that deep empathy yeah I agree and that's part of our mantra is heartfelt connections yeah and yeah when i think about what i want to get out of today's episodes i want to clarify what our communication protocols are that we i mean we use them in our personal relationship and our working relationship um and i want to use it like whoever is in our with whoever is in our sadequay depot community You know, it's communication that's based on love, compassion, and humility. And we say heartfelt 
connections in our mantra because we're speaking from our heart and we want to connect to other people's hearts. And I think that that's what decolonized is, at least decolonized communication. Mm -hmm. It's peeling back the layers of the wounds and the trauma and the coping mechanisms and the systems that we live in. And regarding the systems, I just saw a timely Instagram post from Ruchika T at R-T-U-L-S-H-Y-A-N. And I think it summed that up perfectly. So she, she says, the problem isn't men, it's patriarchy. The problem isn't white people, it's white supremacy. The problem isn't straight people, it's homophobia. Recognize systems of oppression before letting individual defensiveness paralyze you from dismantling them. So we have to peel those layers back and move forward. We can't be frozen. We have to speak up. We can't be silent. Hmm. Yeah. Was it um, you that that sent me that picture that showed like the comparison of like, you know, uh, decolonization versus like, um, like holding up like the status quo, and I had a picture of like, um, like a marble building. What I imagine mm, mm-hmm. compared to like a tree was it? Th- I think that was about abundant mind versus scarcity mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that has something to do with yeah our communication style. Yeah, it's just the idea of like something hard that's like just holding up these ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think when you say dismantle, it's like a good representation of like an actual like building and you have to tear that down. Like you have to dismantle it brick by brick mm-hmm. where you have a comparison of like something organic that you like, if you were to try to tear that down, you're like literally killing life, you know? Oh, yeah. And then the way it grows is like it really connecting further deeper into the earth mm-hmm. and then you know growing yeah so just the i really enjoyed that yeah. picture i'll share that in the future yeah i think that's important so this is a continuation of last week and just to remind everyone we talked about white fragility and white fragility is re- is in response to feeling defensive. And so we want to talk about what, what do we do? And it was so hard to organize this discussion. But I think the easiest way is to divide it between calling in and calling out. And I was curious, did you want to No, I think that and... was good. I, I know we kind of talked about it. Um, just in the week leading up to this and, and discussing that, that term. And I really, Mm -hmm. um, enjoy that. Okay. So most people know calling out, which is publicly telling someone what they did that was oppressive and hurtful and holding them accountable. And the idea is that you have other people around to witness 
and also hold that person accountable. Calling in, on the other hand, is having having a private conversation. So you you don't embarrass them. You want to come in with compassion. You don't want to um, you want to disarm their defensive reaction. So it's somewhat of a more proactive strategy to connect with someone. Um, there was an article. Oh, I forgot to look up how to pronounce this. Um, last name is Tran. And they spoke on Black Girl Dangerous. Quote, I picture calling in as a practice of pulling folks back in who have strayed from us. It means extending to ourselves the reality that we will and do fuck up we stray, and there will always be a chance for us to return. Calling in as a practice of loving each other enough to allow each other to make mistakes. A practice of loving ourselves enough to know that what we're trying to do here is radical unlearning of everything we have been configured to believe is normal. <laughs> so we want to start like our first tier is to call people in that is our baseline communication um those are our like first protocols and protocols are just understandings they're not rules they should i should i hate the word should but they are accepted and internalized by all parties so i came up with what I think are our protocols based on how we communicate. And one is enter with humility. Two, we're willing to be vulnerable and trusting. Three, we share what we are comfortable with. Four, we understand raising voices or yelling does not keep the space safe and lack of yelling does not minimize emotion. Five, we give ourselves grace to feel our emotions wholly. Six, we are compassionate, acknowledging the system as well as the individual's experience. And last, seven, we speak in reflection, not reaction. Hmm. Yeah. Do you have any additions to that? No, I think that sums up um, like a really concrete way of expressing how we enter into that type of communication but I think one or two pop out to me okay. the most and and I know we'll you'll focus on the ones because we probably already have talked about them in the past over the years but the entering and humility you know is I think one of the toughest things to mm -hmm. to do and when we talk about you know white fragility and oftentimes um, that guttural reaction of defensiveness, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard for a lot of people and a little less so if you practiced it, but to move from like that defensive stance into entering into humility, um, it, it takes dedication to try to, to get to that point. Yeah. And then to get to that point and like um, 
I wouldn't say effortlessly, but like where that's kind of your default is entering into humility. It's it's definitely takes a lot of time and practice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's why it's number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I really wanted to emphasize that specifically because um, I I'm gonna bring it up later, but. Uh, in Susan Scott's Seven Principles of Fierce Discussions, she, one of her principles, oh gosh, I wish I could remember, is some, you know, doing something, but it's really hard to, oh, I think it was like be, oh, trust your gut. That's what it was. Go with your gut. And it's like, you can't do that because like your gut could your instincts your like coping mechanism could be not operating from a place of humility and then you're just gonna say really hurtful things yeah you know so which i mean happens i think um what i've always talked about in like in the sense of cultural competency competency with people is that like you know, you're gonna make mistakes when having these type of conversations or even making like um, comments that are rooted in like a lack of awareness or ignorance. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you're trying to build like heartfelt connections and like, you know, that person is not gonna like, is not gonna hold that against you. As much as if you were just making those like statements out of the blue or something. Yeah. So it really um, matters to like to interact with as much love as we can when we make those like faux pas that they're seen as the exception, not the way we yeah. interact. Yeah. Well, um, again, on the other hand, um, opposite, op, not opposite, but on the other hand, of calling people in is calling out, mm -hmm. and I think that this is something that we do when we need to preserve or protect ourselves. It's a quick action, so it's low energy, low exertion, low output. And we can even have someone else do it on our behalf. We could ask an ally. So that's like 100% protection of ourselves, um, which is important because like, as we talked about last week, it's exhausting. Yeah. And we need to preserve as much of our strength and our health as possible. So a calling out is something as simple as please stop. What you're doing is hurtful. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. It, we don't need to do anything more because, again, like I said last week, we're not responsible for the education of oppressors. Mm. We're not here to facilitate their awakening. Yeah. There's a quote by Audre Lorde who says, when we speak, we are afraid of our word. Oh, sorry. When we speak, we are afraid our words will not be heard nor welcomed. But when we are silent, we're still afraid. So it's better to speak. Mm. 
when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I'm afraid. So I think a lot of times we could just not call someone out, but it's it's just something so small with big impact. Yeah, yeah. And I think right now, too, it's like, it's almost like looked, there's definitely that defensiveness from people being like, calling it like cancel culture, like, why do you need to speak up? And I Mm -hmm. feel like that's always been the case. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's better to just like, let it go. But when you're constantly like, getting cut with like little yeah, a thousand cuts yeah yeah you know one less like cut is meaningful to you mm-hmm. and you never know like how much the that like calling out is gonna make a change in that other person's life um so I think a call-out is like a band-aid. It's like you got nicked, and at least you can put a band-aid on it. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't reverse the neck. That's true. But it's definitely not calling in where you're really trying to focus on, like, the restoration. Yeah. Yeah. And that's about the other person. Yeah. I feel... Well, maybe not. Mm -hmm. It's about love on both sides. Yeah, healing on both sides. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of brought up, um, you know, the the silent, <laughs> do doing, or just being silent about something, um, which is something we do. It's something I definitely do. Yeah. Because yeah, white fragility, being defensive, it's a form of violence. It's the Knicks. and there are other things that we do to preserve and protect ourselves. One is stonewalling being just disengaging communication with that person i think it's just a really easy way for us to keep ourselves safe yeah another thing that we do that i think we do more of is grieve Mm. i think that's equivalent to what we might think of as self-soothing or self-care. Um, but really grief just means it's, you know, someone didn't need to die or you didn't have to have a loss. It's just holding space for your emotions and your needs and your healing. Mm. Um, another thing I think we do. Oh, I know, oh. Sorry, this is really important, I feel. <laughs> um, is, or I'll just put it into the next one. We just, like, let it go. Like, move past it, like you said. And I I think that there's, um, I heard, like, a mentor of mine say, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? So, like, Stonewall is, like, totally disengaging in communication. But letting go is like you're still talking to that person and you're just being the bigger person. It might be because that person just really means a lot to you. 
right? And you really care about that person. So it's, do you want to be right? Do you want to have to call them in and like make sure that they know that they hurt you and why they're wrong? Mm. Or do you want to be free? Do you want to like really let it go? Yeah. And forgive. Yeah, I think that comes back to the humility, you know? It's like really accepting your like emotions and the way it's really affecting you mm-hmm. in a humble way to like recognize when to um, enter that space of grief rather than just kind of make it go away and still, you know, yeah. I don't know, correct yourself or something. Yeah, yeah. Lost my train of thought. Oh, it's good. It's late. Yeah. I, I we're not done yet, but I appreciate you being here. <laughs> you and people don't know you were legitimately asleep before this. <laughs> you were like knocked out, and I woke yeah. you up. So that's thanks. probably why my voice is so low, yeah. more than usual. But yeah, well, thanks again. So we have about five more minutes. I want to like squeeze in really quickly the idea that uh, people, a lot of our communication is done online, right? So a lot of, I I can't think of another word other than trolls Mm. or like people acting like trolls are online and they, it's like, their words can only be coming from a place of defensiveness. An example I think of is when I posted that article, um, why people of color need spaces without white people. And it was really popular. It got like, for me, I'm not active on social media. So it got like 20 shares. Um, and you know, a lot of people were, were really happy to read that and feel seen. But then there were the trolls. Mm. There was someone that I went to elementary school with who did like a laughing emoji on it. Mm. He's white, just to clarify. <laughs> and then another person is a friend of a friend. And so a friend of mine shared it. And he identifies as Latinx indigenous and his friend is a white woman from Ojai. So she gives off those like hippie vibes. And she said, well, I don't agree with this. I think all people need to be together. All spaces Mm -hmm. need to be together. And so many people were not he asked me as an ally to come in to mediate a call-in and I did my best I don't think I was very factual um which is another like kind of coping mechanism I have um is to yeah just be all logic no emotion um and she was not having it mm. and her commitment just continued to escalate with every single person that was popping up in the comments. Um, 
and yeah, so her her commitment escalated with each with each ally. Um, yeah, just a few like minutes left. Do you have an example of online defensiveness that you've had to deal with? Yeah, I think we've all like uh, seen it in one way or another, and I think like a lot of people will put it in this sort of category of like, well, we're just, you know, um, just expressing our opinion or then it'll just evolve into this like, well, that's just your way of looking at it. And then I have a different way of looking at it. And that just makes me think of why we're kind of adding these like race-based adjectives when we discuss people. Because it's not like we go around all day thinking of people as and categorizing them as like you're of this race or this. It's like in this space and in this type of conversation, it's necessary because what we want people to understand is that we all like we want you to understand someone else's perspective and, and empathize with them. Mm-hmm. And when and that's so varied that by adding these like race-based adjectives you can kind of um put yourselves and 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 understand some um some empathy and someone said something recently that was very um it it struck me very strongly is that like you know um people for certain communities have this like ready set go triggering system where like if something bad happens it takes time to get to a point but like for people of color like you know you spend so much time like getting triggered that you're don't have ready set go you're just on go and so like that's translated as like oh they're the person's like always angry the person always gets annoyed or the person's always calling out people but it's just like we want people to understand like there's the the perspectives of others. Yeah, well, we are out of time. So I want to start our closing, which um, I want to include a quote from Susan Scott's Seven Principles of Fierce Conversations, where she says, quote, the conversation is not about the relationship. The conversation is the relationship unquote Mm. and I think it's so important to call people in whenever possible because that's love it's a sign that you care about that person and it's the best route if you're trying to help that person grow that we can live in a safer healthier community yeah that's totally true it's beautiful words well thank you again for chatting with me this late at night. Well, thank you for, you know, the listeners are sticking through and, and listening to us, you know, talk about these issues. Tough conversations. Thanks for learning and growing with us today. You can read NGOC Law and Trans article, Calling In, A Less Disposable Way of Holding Each Other Accountable, on the Black Girl Dangerous blog at bdgblog.org. 
Find Kelsey Blackwell's article, Why People of Color Need Spaces Without White People, online at the Arrow Journal at arrow-journal.org. And read Susan Scott's Seven Principles of Fierce Conversations online, but also in her book titled Fierce Conversations. If you'd like to keep in touch, you can find us at facebook.com slash Depot and on Instagram at Depot. Sending love to you from our house, where our mantra is thoughtful food, empowered people, and heartfelt connections.